Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning. Scott Luton, Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Greg, how are we doing? I'm doing quite well. How are you doing, Scott? You know, we had some storms come through uh, early this morning. The dogs were cowering, you know, lots of thunder. Now, really? it is gorgeous. It is absolutely gorgeous out here. So we're, do we're doing well. That's good. I'm glad to hear it. It's Let's see, we had thunder and lightning last night. So I'm in Atlanta. Okay. Um, K-Town as the kids call it. And it's rained the last two days, which is great because my wife is still down at the beach and I'm supposed to be watering the plants. But since it keeps raining, I don't have to. <laughs> well, hey, hey, play by those rules, Greg. Simple play by those rules. pleasures, Scott. That's the secret. That is a secret in life for sure. Uh, we were just talking with the team pre-show about some different ways that we all cope with the, you know, the stresses that the world brings us. And they had lots of, of different suggestions we're going to have to try. But Running is one suggestion. <laughs> I mean, I, I do it, but not because I love it. Yes. I really envy people. Like Catherine was telling us how much, you know, what positive impact it has. First of all, I applaud her for running. Right. Two, I applaud her for the introspection that allows her to see that it's doing good. I just, when I'm done, I'm just like, I hated that. <laughs> I'm with God, you. I gotta do it again. I'm with yeah. you. But along those lines, big thanks to, of course, Catherine, Chantel, and Amanda behind the scenes helping to make production happen today. And thanks for all their best practices on, on how to how to cope, how to get through this yeah. life. But part of no that. Doubt to your point, is celebrating the little things, but also the big things, such as big shows. And today, Greg, see what I did there today. That was pretty good, Scott. I'm impressed. <laughs> We've got one of our longest running series, one of our most popular series, Supply Chain Today and Tomorrow with Mike Griswold from Gartner. So today, Greg, we're going to be yes, gaining Mike's key takeaways from the 2022 Supply Chain Top 25, which publishes May 26th, just around the corner. Wow. It's always full of interesting insights and research from our friends at Gartner. We're going to be touching on the upcoming supply chain symposium, as well as the academic landscape serving industry, right? Building and maintaining that talent pipeline. So Greg, pretty big show, huh? It's crazy. You know, it, it feels like we just talked about that. The years aren't passing. They're evaporating, <laughs> right? It feels That's like we just talked about the top 25, doesn't it? Doesn't it though? Doesn't it though? Well, uh, the Gartner team don't stop. So we're, we've True. got a, a, a fresh list out just in a couple of weeks. And of course, Mike Griswold here with us today. We're going to say hello to a few folks. We've got a ton of folks that are commenting. Hey, let us know, folks, where you are, where you are in the world. Uh, we love to connect the dots there. All right. Really quick, Greg, before we got shout out to a few folks, we got three quick events we want to share. Hey, join Greg and I and uh, over 1,300 of your dearest friends across the world for our May 18th Supply Chain and Procurement Awards for 2022. It's easy, all right? We've got a link in the comments we're going to drop. Most of those folks will be dialed in via LinkedIn and come join us to celebrate successes across the globe while powering a very noble mission with Amen. our nonprofit friends at Hope for Justice. By the way, Greg, we're going to talk about Supply Chain Symposium today. Tim Nelson with Hope for Justice is going to be at Gartner's oh, event. Sure is. So that is really cool. May 10th, next week, Greg, we've got joined up with our friends at Six River Systems, how to solve three common peak season challenges. Greg, what's one thing folks should look for here? Well, you know, you asked me before what I thought the top peak season challenge is. And for right. the last two years, last two peak seasons anyway, this year and last year's, I'd have to say lead time and how to cope with that. First of all, order early, order earlier. Yep. Right. <laughs> but you know, I, you know, what's interesting is I'd love to run the whole peak season, you know, coming peak season issues in front of Mike and see yes. what he thinks, because it is going to be challenging. We know it was challenging last year. We got companies who are literally going to sell this year what they meant to receive for 
Christmas peak season last year because right. it came too late. So it's going to be a really weird season. And, you know, we <laughs> of course expect to see some shifts in demand. We're already starting to see some of that and, That's right. and in the economy. So it's going to be fascinating. Keep Yet it weird. Dynamic, right? Yes. Keep it weird. Supply chain, just yeah, lately right. stealing from Austin there. But Hey right. folks, join us May 10th for what, promises to be a great conversation. May 24th, we're going to be talking about the best, the world-class warehouses and what are the 10 competencies that fuel. As we talked last last Monday, Greg, you know, a lot of them, we're not going to spend much time on the usual suspects and we're going to focus more on the key differentiators. So join us May 24th as we partner with our friends from Shiphawk. Break out your notebook, your <laughs> iPad, or your Remarkable that's Get right. To make a lift. <laughs> and your measuring stick too. May 24th. Okay. So Greg, you know, we're going to say hello to a few folks and I want to start with Brenda Allen is back. Now we've had a lot of, we've really enjoyed Brenda's participation on our live streams, but guess what? No, you did not get a sample. Brenda was kind enough what? to send Brenda and uh, Ken Allen was kind enough to send us uh, like a sampler pack. And so they so we, must have found that big old power machine, what, whatever they were looking for. Right? That, yes. That, uh, yeah, whatever they were looking for, some electrical, uh, electrical component. But, you know, we're big condiment folks here in the Luton family and their sauce is delicious. I hadn't tried the seasoning yet, but the sauce is really, really good. So, Brenda, thank you so much. You're too kind. And uh, we look forward to hearing your take on everything that Mike Griswold with Gartner shares here today. Kenny Bob um, is a new, that's a new twist on a Southern name. I've heard Billy Bob, <laughs> right? Right. Jimmy Joe, but never Kenny Bob. That's right. That's right. So welcome today, Brenda. Great to have you. And thanks again. Catherine's tuned in. Of course, she was sharing her running. Fresh uh, off a run, I'm sure. That's right. <laughs> Gene Pledger from Northern Alabama. Good old N.A. Uh, Gene Pledger is back with us. Gene, hope this finds you well. Juan Espinosa is here today. Juan, let us know where you're dialed in from via LinkedIn. Great to see you. Hey, James LePage is with us. Toronto, Canada Toronto. via LinkedIn. Greg, yes. ever been to Toronto? I have many times. So I did a lot of work with companies in Canada when I was up there. So let me see. I'm trying to think. Oh, my gosh. I just completely <laughs> blanked on it. They used to be called the Ace Hardware of Canada until Ace Hardware moved. To, oh, Home Hardware. Really? Right. Home Hardware in St. John, which is a suburb of, of Toronto. So, yes, I have been there many, many cool. times. Welcome in, James. And James, we can't talk about what your Blue Jays did to my Braves uh, back in the early 90s. So there were some tough teams there. Michael yeah. Avra, of course, one of our Kind of holding on to that, aren't you? Uh, uh, we don't hold any grudges for too long, you know, 50 years or so. That's my limit. <laughs> Mike Avra is back with us uh, from Sandy Springs, one of our faves around here. And finally, Natalie Christian is back with us. Uh, great wow. to have you here today. Yeah. I want to say she's in the Charlotte area, I believe. So, Natalie, great to see you here today. It's a good memory. Yeah, we try. We try. Take my ginkgo biloba. It helps. All right. I keep forgetting that. <laughs> so, but you know what, Greg, uh, as much fun as I have chatting with you, we have got the one and only Mike Griswold with Gartner for his monthly appearance. And with that said, want to officially welcome him in Mike Griswold, Vice President Analyst with Gartner. Mike, good morning. How you doing? Hey, everyone. I'm great. Thanks. The rain has stopped here in Boise. The sun is out. The grandkids want to go swimming today, so all right, uh, it's, it's a good day. It's Wonderful! Good day. It sounds yeah. like it. You paint you paint a, a a beautiful picture, and you know I don't know why, but we're just geared. There's something about our brains as humans. We're geared to start every conversation with weather observations. I don't know what it yeah. is, but it's what we were <laughs> trained to do. Must have. Yeah. So Mike and Greg, I missed an opportunity with my kids this morning. Today is Star Wars Day, right? May the 4th be with oh you. Oh, my gosh. And yeah. I forgot to use that. I've been let you miss that. Seriously. So don't worry. I'm going to make it up when I pick them up from school this afternoon. <laughs> oh, boy. But Dad my jokes and Star Wars. <laughs> you bet. Yep. They go hand in hand like Oreo and milk, right? But Mike, I'm going to start with you being Star Wars Day. Are you a big fan? Do you have one of your favorite Star Wars movies? Tell us a little bit. So I, I would probably best be described as a casual fan. I date myself because, you know, when I, the, the first ones I saw were actually ended up being the middle three, right? Okay. When they first came out in the theaters, my first experience to a, a movie cliffhanger was the end of the Empire Strike ba Strikes Back with this like, 
Han Solo yeah. is frozen. I got to wait how long now <laughs> to figure out what happens to him? But I would, in in today's environment, I would probably describe myself actually, I have actually enjoyed some of the kind of spinoffs. I, I really liked Rogue One. I really liked, I really liked The Mandalorian. So yes. the last three Star Wars were okay for me. But I mean, to me, one of my favorites is actually Rogue One. Agreed. You know, as much as we put, Greg, the, the initial trilogy kind of, you know, enshrine them in a museum and, and really celebrate it. You know, I think some of these spinoffs like Rogue One, like The Mandalorian, you know, I think I like them better than Return of the Jedi. Right. I remember I remember seeing Return of the Jedi in theaters yeah. and I was like, man, Ewoks and some mm-hmm. other things. It was just it just, you know, didn't do it for me. But Greg, how about you? Well, I, I like the first three and th- then there was such a big gap till anything else that honestly I haven't watched many of the others. And then they kind of went off the rails with the cartoony ones. The one with that odd speaking beast. Yes. Right. So irritating. Fozzie the bear. Yes. Jar Jar Banks, (laughs) which was the voice of Fozzie the bear. I did not realize that was his previous career, (laughs) but became somewhat knowledgeable for a short time because my, it was just so perfect. The age of my, a next older brother, and he was an absolute fanatic. He had all the toys, wisely bought several of the action figures, bought two, and kept them in their boxes. I mean, let's think, this was the 80s, gang. People yeah, didn't wow. realize you did that stuff right. then. I can't even imagine. I think his. I think he, that's his retirement plan is those things. <laughs> um, but I do remember, I got to tell you, I do remember my mom, you know, there had been other movies, Battlestar Galactica's and things like that, that had come out and they were awful. You know, <laughs> science fiction movies were usually, they were traditionally pretty awful. Right. And, and I remember my mom asking, do you want to go see this Star Wars thing? This is literally what I said. I remember exactly what was in front of us in the car when she asked me that. I said, nah, probably just another dumb, <laughs> you know, just... Just another dumb science fiction movie. Well, my brother really wanted to see it, so I had to see it, and I'm thankful <laughs> that I did. Who would have known, though? Who would have known that Hollywood history was made and it create legions of fans around the world? It really is fascinating to look back, and, and there's lots of documentaries online now about all the challenges of making you know the, the original three, which is really cool. Let's see what uh, some folks out in the skybox are saying. Natalie says, I may be one of the very few that has not seen one Star Wars movie in its entirety. How about that? So worth it. Uh, so worth it. So worth uh, it. I mean, it really, it is. Yeah, check it out, Natalie. You got to check it out. We got to recruit you to the team. Sheldon says, and Sheldon, I like your new headshot, says Revenge of the Sith and The Mandalorian for him. Those are a couple of his favorites. Those are great picks there. Good afternoon. Let's see. Lauren Laurentiu, maybe. Uh, if I got that wrong, let us know. But welcome. Let us know where you're dialed in from. Great to have you here. Thank you so much. So James, as I was giving a shout out to his Blue Jays earlier, says, thank you. But he got us twice. And that's true. 91 <laughs> and 92. That is very true. Those are some really good teams. You can thank um, my classmate, Joe Carter, for that. <laughs> he's, your, he's your classmate, really? Way ahead of my time, of course. Oh, but oh, he about- went to Wichita State. <laughs> yeah, he played ball at Wichita State. How about that? And and, and right on cue, Mike Aver says Joe Carter destroyed <laughs> us. And that's right. He had a big big part of the, that, that Toronto offense. Okay. So we may have to circle back to some Star Wars reference, Star Wars references throughout today's session, because it is May the 4th. I'll be with you, but let's get down to business. And Mike, one of our favorite things, Greg and the whole team here, we love, we all love lists, but of course the supply yes. chain top 25 is a really cool project, yearly project. It generates a ton of discussion, but before we kind of talk about some key takeaways, Talk to us, if you would, maybe kind of pull the green curtain back. What's your favorite part uh, of the process and what's some of the feedback you get from the market? So before COVID, we had always done the reveal, Greg will know this, at at a big dinner uh, at our supply chain event, whether that was in Phoenix, at, at different venues, and, you know, going through and revealing the list live. And having groups of tables kind of be happy when they see their name and hearing, you know, people cheering when they see where they landed, even companies 
that, you know, got into the list for the very first time and maybe were at 25 or 24 mm. to hear the excitement from, from those folks. And, you know, ultimately when you start getting up into the top five, right. And, and people haven't seen their name called yet. It, it's, it's kind of like, in some ways it's a, it's a different spin on the draft, but th- <laughs> I miss that. Right. I, I miss having kind of that excitement. I mean, we've, We've transitioned to a to a reveal via webinar, you know, from from an attendance perspective, you know, we reach a lot more people from a you know feedback we get on the webinar itself. It, it scores very, very well. So it's a successful way for us to deliver it, but it, it doesn't have that personal kind of reaction. And, you know, you obviously can't see people's reactions. And sometimes that's a good thing right when people don't land where they wanted to land but that excitement around you know where are we going to be and i i miss that from from the in-person events Mm. in terms of in terms of you know why do people tell us they care about the top 25 there's really two reasons and they haven't changed they have i think grown in importance so the the very first reason we hear and, and in some ways it goes to what i hope we get to near the end of the session around our university top 25 is it is an incredible weapon for talent. Being able to say, hey, yeah. we were so-and-so in Gartner's global supply chain top 25. You know, if you include our five masters, being able to say, hey, we're one of the 30 best supply chains in the world, according to Gartner, at least, come work for us, right? Or stay with us. It's a great weapon in the, in the, in the challenge that people have in terms of attracting talent. The second way people use it is really an internal an internal celebration slash how can we continue to fund our supply chain? Now, yeah. I would argue that's become a little bit less because of the pandemic and the supply chain has rocketed to the head of the line when it comes to funding anyway. But people would tell us, hey, you know, when we're in the top 25, I can go internally and say, hey, if we want to stay here, we need to invest in the supply chain. If we want to catch so-and-so, right, we need to invest in our supply chain. So those are the two big reasons that that people, you know, tell us that they care about the top 25. Love that. And Greg, I'm going to circle you in just a moment. I want to say hello to Nabil. Great to have you here, Nabil. Let us know where you're tuned in from. Hi, Dang, I believe. And if I got that wrong, just let me know. Uh, but great to have you here. Let us know where you're tuned in from as well. And finally, Greg, our team, our production team, got a big kick out of your Fozzie Bear reference with Jar Jar Binks, <laughs> just so you know. Greg, okay. <laughs> Greg, how do you, you know, uh, led and owned a wide variety of companies through your journey, as, as Mike kind of alluded to, how did you use the top 25 lists? It was a great example for companies to strive toward. So very often the top 25 are manufacturers and I work having worked so much with retail and distribution, particularly distribution, we're not at all forward thinkers in terms of supply chain. <laughs> Mike's trying not to make a face, um, yes. <laughs> but, but it was a great, Hey, you could be here too. And here are some of the foundational things that you can do. I just think that they are role models of supply chain. If, if you want to call it that these companies that really, really strive to be excellent, that do things that are, not only profitable and high performing, but fair and uh, good for humanity at the same time. And that that's probably the way that I used it. And then of course, to inspire, because we were a technology provider, a solution provider to inspire our product people to say, hey, we, we could solve this problem. You know, Apple um, and the usual top five, right? They spend billions, sometimes hundreds of billions of dollars on their supply chains. And that's not an every man kind of expenditure, but technology Mm -hmm. is the path for every leader, every company, every man, every woman, whatever, to that same kind of performance. And we used it particularly at our company to help us go. Everyone could use that. We need to democratize that and bring that to smaller companies in a way that they can absorb and apply it. Love that. I'm sure, Greg, you saw before you came to the right side, not the dark <laughs> side. You came to the right side of the microphone. Yeah. Um, I mean, and you'll and you'll know who I'm talking about. We we every year we have a number of technology providers who, when the list comes out, 
right? Say, hey, we've got 19 of Gartner's supply yes. chain top 25 co- uh, companies as clients. Right. Um, it, I think to your point, it, it does help reinforce a technology provider's story because we have so many diverse uh, companies from an industry perspective make up the top 25. Right. So it is, and I think frankly, there's probably companies that, that don't take enough advantage of that, quite frankly, to be able to say, Hey, we, we can solve multiple problems across multiple industries as demonstrated by this list of clients we have that run really good supply chains. Yep. Yeah. So to everyone in the cheap seats, hey, we'd love for to hear you know, how you've used the list or how you how maybe your team has celebrated you know making the list. You name it. Get, let us know your reaction to the Gartner uh, Supply Chain Top Twenty Five each year. All right, so I want to I want to shift gears a bit. Of course, the twenty twenty two Top Twenty Five is still in the wraps. Yep. May twenty sixth is when that will be released. But the good thing is, uh, Greg is Mike Griswold has agreed to share some key takeaways from the whole process and all the research and whatnot. So good things come in threes. So what are three good key takeaways that you've had from this year's list, Greg, uh, uh, Mike? Yeah. So similar to last time, I, I wanted to bring notes so that I, I didn't mess <laughs> things up. So I have some notes here. I'm not multitasking because people who know me know that I challenge with single tasking, much less <laughs> multitasking. But but let me start with maybe just a couple of factoids just to kind of kind of set the stage. So we've been doing this. This is going to be year 19. And I, I don't want to have people's eyes glaze over by going through the methodology. But basically, every company we run through the methodology ends up with, with what we call a composite score. And that a perfect score is 10. Right. So if you if you were number one in all the metrics, you would have a composite score of 10. One of the things we talk about in the top 25 is as people is how do we get people to raise the bar for everybody else relative to the supply chain? So if if Greg's supply chain is better than mine. Right. How do I make my supply chain as good as Greg's? Right. How do I kind of get to the place that, that Greg is? So just a couple of things to think about. If I look at our top 25 and our five masters, so our top 30 companies, the average composite score is 4.57, which is out of a a grand total of 10. To put it in perspective, the number one company, their composite score is just a little bit over six. All right. So it's not like anyone's sniffing 10. The only reason I say that is that 4.57 is up 11% from last year. What that means is if your supply chain stays the same, you will drop in the top 25. Your supply chain has to get better every single year. Can you say that again for the people in the back who might not have heard you? 11% better or higher composite score this year versus last year. Our top five companies, their composite score is 9% higher than last year. And to get at the number 25 spot, right? If you want to be company 25, you need a composite score of 3.15. That is up 13% from last year. So it's harder to get into the top 25 than it's ever been. Than ever, than ever before. So the only reason I share those numbers is not to bore people. It's just to say that, you know, your supply chain, whatever it is, however you define it, has got to get better every single year, regardless of whether you want to land in the top 25 or not. It just has to get better because everyone around you, their supply chains are getting better. And they're and, and the data would tell us they're getting better, not just a little bit, they're getting kind of majorly incrementally better year over yeah. year. Mm. So it, it that's huge. But really, Scott, to your question, we, we actually broke tradition here and we, we have four macro trends. Typically, okay. we have typically we have three. I, I will give you the three that I think will resonate the most. The first is, and I really like this one, chief supply chain officers turning and evolving into chief ecosystem officers. Hmm. So a different take on a CEO there, there, and we can go into each of these a little bit deeper, but think of the supply chain, the chief supply chain officer moving into an environment where they're managing an ecosystem, both internally and externally. Excuse me. That's one second is, and this will not be a surprise, what we're referring to as authentic achievement 
of your ESG agenda. What that means in a nutshell is people are now starting to keep score. If you said you were going to do something by 2020, guess what? You better have done it or or you're going to get held accountable. If you want to do something by 2025 and people don't think that's aggressive, aggressive enough, you're going to hear about it. Mm-hmm. So just to put in perspective, in our top 25 methodology, we have an ESG component, which is the accumulation of up to 10 points. 63% of our top 25 companies have a perfect score of 10. That is up about 30% from last year. So ESG and kind of doing what you say you're going to do relative to this, and it's more than just the environment. It's around DE&I. It's around you know other social types of, of stances. People are now listening and they're remembering, which I think in the past people listened and kind of had other things to worry about. Now people are going to hold you accountable for what you say you're going to do on the ESG side. And the third one, and some of this will dovetail a little bit into the college university stuff, is what we're referring to as human-centric audit, human-centric digital automation. And Greg will really like this one. This is where we're trying to understand the balance between what do we want a machine to do because it does it faster and smarter, but what do we still need humans to do to value add to that process or value add to that decision? You know, we, we see in this whole idea of, of human centric, you know, we're seeing new ways of working. We're seeing new ways of people going back to work. We're seeing new skills emerge. What we cannot ignore is the role, to Greg's earlier comment, we cannot ignore the role that technology plays. And, and if you ignore it, you ignore it at your own peril. The, right. the top 25 companies have figured out where do we insert people? to get us better decisions? And where do we let automation and technology make those decisions for us? So those are the three big ones that that we'll be talking about a little bit in the webinar. A colleague and I are, are doing a presentation just on lessons from leaders at Symposium in Orlando. But that's kind of a flavoring of, of what do we see these 30 companies, right? Our five masters in our top 25, what are they working on and what are they thinking about? Those are the three big things. Wonderful. And I, and I love that last one, that human-centric digital yeah. automation. Greg, I'm going to get your response uh, here in just a minute. But first, Natalie says, Gartner lists and quadrants are beneficial for benchmarking current state. The elements that set companies apart are great conversation starters within our strategy meetings. Excellent. Thank you for that, Natalie. I really appreciate that. James, yes, lots of tough scorers. Uh, you're right. <laughs> yeah, and and I got to exactly clarify. What I, thought. I got to clarify. The Blue Jays beat the Braves in 92, but the Braves didn't get past the Phillies in 93. I had a little slip of my, a, a, a little brain lapse there. So <laughs> the Blue Jays beat the Phillies for their second World Series back then. So, but James, congrats either way. And then Arjun asked a great question, and we'll see if we can't get Mike's take maybe throughout the conversation. You know, retailers that really show uh, real resilience, good resilience through their throughout their supply chain. So we'll see if we, we can't get a take from Mike on that in a moment. But Greg, those big three key takeaways, I bet you love all of them, but I, I bet that last one resonates with you as well. Yeah, it does. Uh, and I think also the, the word authentic added to ESG initiatives, that really stood yeah. out at me. I mean, for so many years, and you know, Kelly Barner loves to talk about this, and she's so right. Companies have paid lip service to ESG inis- initiatives. And I, I think all three of those things, particularly that those have come to the fore, come from the fact that over the last two years, 26 months, right, just over 26 months, supply chain has come out of the shadows, right? We asked for a seat at the table. We asked to be recognized. We asked not to have to fight for the funds to to sustain and improve our supply chains every year. And we got it in spades. You know, now supply chain is mentioned as often and sometimes more often than sales in companies' quarterly and annual reports, right? It's mentioned more often than marketing almost 100% of the time in annual reports. There is nowhere to hide. Not that supply chain professionals were trying to hide anywhere, but there is sort of a subconscious comfort in knowing 
that if I nobody is going to notice. And now everyone is going to notice. And it's not just people at your company. It's not just your suppliers. It's not just your customers. It's the consumers. Consumers now have so much awareness to supply chain that they're the ones holding companies. They're holding companies accountable for the authenticity of their efforts, for the efficiencies that require automation and for the type of rapid critical thinking decisions that humans are so good at making. So it's great that we are seeking that balance. I honestly, that's a little surprising to me. I didn't think anyone was kind of really seriously looking at that. At that. So that's great. Uh, totally expected, of course, from Gartner, Mike, but but still surprising and encouraging that that you guys are looking for that equilibrium between what machines should do, what computers should do, and what people should do. So I love, I do, I love that. Mm. One of the things that has definitely happened, if I bring us to that ESG kind of macro trend that we see, we, we've actually re reached the point now where we're publishing on the, the whole idea of, of how not to get accused of greenwashing. Mm -hmm. Right. That, that never would have been a topic that we would have written about two or three years ago because we hadn't reached the point where people were actually concerned about what they were reading about companies and their ESG agenda. Now that people are really interested in what you're saying around your ESG agenda, it's really important that you say the right things and you actually can do what you say. So this idea of greenwashing and, and how not to, to get caught up in that is a really hot topic for us. Yeah. The other thing that, that I'll, I'll raise is we've got, you know, and, and we're not the only folks with this data, but depending on, on who you look at, th there is a, a growing, at least response from consumers to surveys that says anywhere from 40 to almost 50% of consumers will pay more for a more sustainable product. Now, the cynical side of me says, I don't know that I've seen that yet actually happen with their wallets. Right. But even if even if a percentage of that is is kind of overstating, if we're saying the number actually is 30%, that is still a significant number of people that are going to vote with their wallet around around sustainability. And and I think the other element that we even us at Gartner don't want to lose sight of is we, we've got this whole you know, area of research that we call ESG, um, Environmental, Social, and Governance. And, and we have, I think rightfully so, expended a ton of energy on the E. And when you look at what people outwardly communicate, 90% of it is around the E. But what we're also hearing is there's as much customer thoughts around the S and the G mm -hmm. as there is the E. And I think my advice to companies is, you need to think about all three of those, or at least the E and the S. The G can be kind of nebulous in terms of what does that right. act, what, what's, what's governance really actually mean? There is no ambiguity around the environmental and the social piece. And, and while I think it definitely makes sense to continue to focus on the E, I think some folks are missing an opportunity to talk about what they're doing in the S's, mm -hmm. right? Whether that's you know, the makeup of your board, right? Around how diverse is, is your board? How diverse is your senior leadership leadership team? How well are, are women and other underrepresented demographics, how well are they represented in your leadership team? We're writing a ton of stuff. We have a, a huge DEI quantitative study that, that's going to be coming out shortly. The S is the area where I think people need to start thinking a little bit more about. We've talked a lot about my basketball coaching background and, and putting girls in position where you need to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And the S is an area where organizations are uncomfortable and they have to get past that because people are going to start pressing them on the S's. Right. Yeah. Well said. And you know, we just had a, yeah. a live stream yesterday with Kelly Barner, uh, Greg, and our friends from Risk Methods. And we were talking mm -hmm. about the Uyghurs, I think is how we pronounce it. I've yep, also heard yeah. it pronounced the Uyghurs and how, how supply chains now with the passage of uh, the act, you know, they're, they're really having to prove their innocence. And, you know, Mike and, and Greg, Mike, to your point specifically, those are some really tough conversations to have, but gosh, if we don't have them, 
not not only are we missing a massive opportunity to make our, our supply chains more resilient, but much more importantly, we basically implicitly support what's going on uh, in, that, in that part of the world. So well said, Mike, ESG, it only is going to grow, not just in lip service, but in, in true investment and action and results. Sorry, one, one, yeah. la- and, I, and I, this, is, this will be my last, last thing. You know, when, when I, and this is kind of the convergence of sustainability and technology. You know, when, when we release the report, you, you'll read some examples from some of our companies in our, in our top 25 that are using technology like satellite technology and geolocation technology to do things as cool as mapping deforestation as it relates to palm to palm oil and palm right. trees. So th- there is this convergence, I think, of not only the the environmental aspect, but the technological advances we've made to help people in one part of the world monitor other areas and parts of the other world. I mean, if you think about it, even eight or nine years ago, it would have been easy to say, well, you know, I, I, I can wash my hands because I don't I can't see this forest that's you mm. know 3000 miles away. Well, guess what? Now you can. Right. right. So, th- so that excuse is off the table. What are you going to do in, in some of those important areas? So we're starting to see the use of technology start to come in, into into more and more areas around it, particularly the environmental part of ESG. Love it. All right, Greg, I'm going to get your response, and then we're going to be talking about these talent pipelines, feed, and industry. But really quick, Delvis, I yeah. believe Delvis is tuned in from Puerto Rico. So great to have you here at Delvis. I think that's usually that's the flag that just doesn't yeah. transcribe over to the stream. So great to so see you. So the blue matters on that flag, by the way, because Cuba's flag is remarkably similar with a different color of blue. <laughs> really? Yeah. Man, I learn something new with Greg White every single day, Mike. I have it, a lot of Puerto amazing. Rican friends, and they clarified that for me. <laughs> uh, Sheldon says, the Gartner Top 25 validates effort. In many instances, it's difficult to quantify supply chain benefits such as ESG, which Mike was speaking to a minute ago, uh, because all of this is a much easier sell to corporate. Excellent point there. Mike Aver says, companies are now putting their goals and dates in writing, and that is a huge mm. shift from five to 10 years for ago. sure. And finally, James, I love the environment aspects information. I feel it's very overlooked. So despite uh, some of our observations, how there's getting a lot more attention, and we still have folks and uh, practitioners that feel it doesn't get enough attention yet. All right. So, Greg, Mike has shared a wealth of knowledge with us. Anything else stick out to you before we move on to talking universities and schools and have a little fun? Yeah, it's 100% the consumer's responsibility to make sure that supply chains are sustainable and mm-hmm. fair, right? The E and the S, if we don't drive, if we don't really, to Mike's point, if we don't really vote with our wallets, which we don't today. So uh, I'm sure the numbers have changed, but a year or so ago, when we were looking at these numbers, huge numbers of people said they would vote with their wallets and only 14% did. Mm-hmm. Mike, by the way, yeah. um, those numbers have probably moved up. But if we don't vote with our wallets, the companies will not change. But I, I, I I also think that it's important for companies to understand because look, self-interest is the best interest. It guides you to, if it guides you to do the right thing. I think if companies understand that dealing with the Uyghurs or other, I mean, there are exponentially worse slavery problems Mm. than the Uyghurs. It's just the Uyghurs are in China and so many companies work in China, right? India has its own share of problems. It has a, the lion's share of problems, frankly. But but if you understand that that creates fragility in your supply chain because CBP could just do what they did about this time last year and say, you are guilty unless proven innocent. Nothing coming from Xinjiang province will come into the United States unless you can absolutely prove that no slave labor was used to produce those goods. Mm. I love that approach, by the mm. way, and I think we need to do it more often. So when companies recognize that that the E and the S, environmental and social issues, impact the fragility of their supply chain and impact their top line more than their bottom line, because by the way, even if you reduce your margins by a full point because you have an ESG initiative, if you don't sell it to begin with because people know you're a bad actor, you lose all of those gross margin points, right. not just mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where companies are. That's where their heads are starting to go. The smart ones, right? The ones that are also 
improving their supply chains by 10% every year. They're, they're improving those other initiatives as well. Well, and the good news is we're, we are seeing those numbers about voting with wallet. We're, we're seeing movement and we're seeing movement across generations, not as much as what Greg and, and Mike are pointing out to, but Hey, we'll take what we can get, right? Cause the, it does lie with the consumer. Um, okay. I want to switch gears here to, you know, we recently sat down with Dr. Brian uh, Fugit with the University of Arkansas, which it has been for quite some time, I think at least last year, at least maybe a couple of years, the number one ranked supply chain management program here in the U.S. And they're doing some really special things. I met, met with Dr. Fugit and three of his outstanding, brilliant students. So, Mike, uh, a question for you. Are you involved in those rankings and anything you can share? Uh, yes. So um, the, I have two people on my team, Dana Stifler and Caroline Chimukov, who run our university top 25 program. It's an every other year exercise. Uh, it's coming up this year. And, and this year, we're going to do it a little bit differently from the standpoint that we typically had, because of timing, we would run it as a webinar. But for the first time, we're going to do the reveal live in our at our symposium in June. And then similar to my top 25, once Dana and Caroline do the reveal, they will, uh, the, the note will be published that has all of the rankings. So we're really excited about that. That's the first week in June. I don't, I don't know if it's Monday, Monday or Tuesday, the 6th or the 7th, but it's, um, I'm sure if someone goes to Gardner.com or if they're not going to be at the event, they can, um, you know, get a link to it. But I did ask, cause I, cause I saw that, that you wanted to talk about this, Scott, I did reach out to Dana and Caroline and I have. Uh, and I, I hate reading to people, but I, I wanted to make sure I captured this. So I have some notes that I'd like to kind of just share some bullets sure, sure. and then we can, and then we can react to them. And the last one, I I've read it like six times and I I'm, I'm interested in people's reactions to it. Okay. So the first is with the pandemic, you know, we've seen what Dana refers to as program types colliding. So typically on-campus programs went remote. Hybrid went fully remote, and programs that were already remote really thrived. So I think the first message is these successful college and universities have figured out different ways to deliver education and deliver it well. That's my first takeaway. The second is we're seeing more risk management and sustainability courses in the curriculum, especially at the graduate level. That's great, right? I think the risk and sustainability, two incredibly hot topics for us. I think maybe as a teaser, and I don't know whether Arkansas needs to worry or not, but up-and-coming <laughs> programs are challenging the older and established upper Midwest and coastal supply chain elites. Ooh, so we'll we see how that are. shakes out. Yep. Yeah. Salaries are going to be higher in the higher than in 2020. Undergrads in 2020 got 58,569 roughly. Top 10 undergraduate programs average 63. Wow. And this is the one that I read six times. Everyone needs to be sitting down. We expect to see the same 100% placement of all grads within three months of graduation. Wow. Exactly. I mean, I, I looked at that and said, it's got to be a typo. But, I mean, we've talked a lot the last several months about somewhat tongue-in-cheek. Supply chain is the place to be. I mean, yeah, it, right. it really is. And the fact that... You can almost write your own ticket coming out of school with a supply chain degree, I, I think is incredibly exciting. You know, I, I do worry a little bit around, you know, is there a bubble? And that, you know, if I'm a freshman, is that going to be available when I'm still a senior? I think the answer is yes. But to me, it's this is the best time I can remember to be in the supply chain. Agreed. You know, so much there. We could do a couple hours just on your observations there. No Folks, doubt. we dropped the link to the Gartner Supply Chain uh, Symposium in the comments. That's June 6th oh, thank through you. the 8th, you bet. Um, I'll be down there with our friends at Intersystems as part of one of the roundtables. Looking forward to that. Mike, who knows? 
Maybe you give me a golf lesson. Yes. Um, He'll give you a golf lesson. It'll cost you way more than a golf lesson from a pro, though. I've learned a long time ago not to wager on any of my athletic prowess so or lack thereof. Good thinking. But, uh, so really quick, Amanda, Chantel, Catherine, if we can find that conversation we had with University of Arkansas, if we could drop that in the comments. It was fascinating. We just sat down, Mike, with a Texas Christian University this week. Looking forward to that. And Greg, you know, one of the observations there, and I'm going to get your take and respond to uh, what Mike just shared. Both of the students we interviewed and Jacob, both of them already had uh, positions locked in with Dell and with Frito-Lay, but their specific job positions of what they'd be doing was still kind of evolving, which mm. I found to be really interesting. Kind of goes back to that 100% thing uh, that Mike was sharing. But Greg, what are you seeing? What are, so what are some of the... Go ahead, yeah. Mike. So real quick, Scott, not to give too much away, but both Dell and Pepsi, which owns Frito-Lay, both of them are top 25 companies. So okay. he's landing in a really good spot. Yeah, no kidding. News. No kidding. That's really good news, isn't it, Greg? But yeah. what'd you hear there, Greg? You know, as as I, I think I wish I was going to school for supply chain now. Honestly. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I don't know how the rest of us got into supply chain. I kind of fell backwards into it. It wasn't a profession. It was something that you know, depending on the industry or depending on the level of, of supply chain you were at. If you were a salesperson who couldn't sell, you got to work in the warehouse, mm. right? If you were the dumb brother-in-law of the owner, you you wound up in supply chain. I mean, it's it wasn't a job even back in the, I mean, except for the very, very highest positions. It wasn't a job that one was interdisciplinary. It was mostly about transportation. And two was something that people sought out. It was sort of a job that you fell into. So in that short three decade span, we've seen it turn into a profession like sales or like accounting, right? Or finance. And that's encouraging. And we've also seen so many schools, so, so many schools, not only add programs, but to challenge Mm. The, the status quo. And, you know, Mike probably shouldn't name, but I will, the Stanford, MIT, Michigan State, and Penn State kind of quadumphorate um, <laughs> of, of supply chain universities. And there are dozens and dozens of others that are very, very good and also modernizing their programs because mm. part of the challenge, you know, I work with a number of universities and part of the program, the, the issue that academics talk about is that by the time they're able to put it into the curricula, it's already outdated. And that's right. more, the, you know, the techniques and the methodology, that's more and more true today. For instance, there is one phrase that you should forget, students, if you are ever, if it is ever, ever said to you by any, in any discipline of supply chain, the term, all other things being equal, forget that. <laughs> All other things are never equal in supply chain. So that that is one of the biggest fallacies, one of the biggest false presumptions of supply chain is that if everything else goes well, this works. Right. Well, <laughs> that that was never the case, right, right. Mike? Uh, and now even less so. And now you're even more exposed because as we talked about earlier, now everybody knows who you are and what you do and they're watching you for you know, because of your impact on the brand esteem and the reputation of the company. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting. A, a couple of things. I mean, I, I like you, Greg, I kind of did the nesty plunge into supply chain, right? It was an accident. <laughs> yeah. And and even if you think about just the evolu evolution of the word, right? I think you and I, right. when we were first involved, it was distribution, logistics, and transportation. We didn't right. even use we didn't even use the S word, right? right? It, it hasn't been a supply chain for for very long, right? right. And then if we if, if we look at the macro trends, now we we've just kind of got chief supply chain officers, and now we're even trying to evolve them. So you know, we've we've come a long way pretty quickly. My other observation is, I think there is this is, and I'll preface this by saying this is a this is a gut reaction. Dan and Caroline may have a different perspective because they actually do the work around the study. My gut reaction is the the supply chain degree and having you know accomplished a degree is more important than where the degree came from. So if you you know went to number ten, whoever that might be, 
right? I don't know that that's going to hinder you if it's not like whoever's number one, even if it is Arkansas again, right? So I'm encouraging people that if you think you want to go into the supply chain, you don't have to go to Stanford. You don't have to go to MIT. You don't have to go to those places. If, if you can find a place that has a good curriculum for you in the areas that are important to you, I think there will be opportunities for you, right? The, this 100% placement is just not the people from MIT. Right. It's the people right. that have a degree kind of regardless of where it came from. Yeah, right. North Carolina A&T. I mean, it's mm, everyone, yeah. right? right? I mean, it's, it is everyone. So, yeah, so that's pick a good it. point. Pick it, get it in gear, apply yourself, look for new opportunities, get out of your comfort zone, you know, make all of that part of your educational experience and you will have a job. Hey, we only got a couple more minutes with Mike. Mike, really quick. If you were standing up the Mike Griswold School of Supply Chain Management, what's one quick thing that you would make sure is part of that offering? I think I would build upon one of some of the new areas that we're seeing around risk management. And I think you, you, to Greg, I love the way Greg said, nothing is created equally. That that's, I mean, that should just be punted out of the Webster dictionary. It would be around resiliency. How do we teach this idea of resiliency? And I think it is as much an organizational dynamic as it is a personal dynamic, quite frankly. The analogy I'll use is, I'll bring us back to basketball, right? The men and the women's season ended. And and, and one, of the, one of the worst things that I think has been invented is this idea of the transfer portal, mm. right? There were something like 1,200 kids in the transfer portal in men's basketball. Wow. I read a story. There was a kid that averaged 0.5 points per game in his, at his college team is in the transfer portal. It's because things got hard for him at the school he was at, you know, so there is an element of organizational resilience that we need to, to foster in people, but we also need to find a way to instill some, you know, personal resilience in people as well. Cause if you don't have personal resilience, it's hard for you to move that into an organization. But the mm. resilience piece would be my number one curriculum topic in, in my fictional university. I love it. I bet you would, you'd build quite a university, uh, Mike Griswold. If you're, if you're, uh, popularity here is any indication you'd have full enrollment. All right. So Mike, as much as I hate to close it, close our chapter here. I know you've got a, a, a slew of things to get to this afternoon. Hopefully you get a chance to go swimming with your grandkids. That sounds like a lot of fun, but how can folks connect with you and Gartner? LinkedIn. And then sh- again, shoot me emails, Mike.Griswold at Gartner.com. Look forward to hearing from people. It is just that easy. Well, I hope to see you down in Florida in a few weeks. And thanks so much, as always, for the time you spend here with Greg and I. My pleasure. Great to see everyone. We'll talk soon, Mike. Thank you. All right. Well, so, Greg, you know, all things being equal, that was one heck of a conversation. Never not learning. When (laughs) Seriously, when Mike Griswold is around, you are never not learning. Uh, I mean, we learned some, some things behind the scenes, like his nickname, which I didn't know. And I've known Mike. Long time. A long time. Not, um, not more than 20 years, right? Not so more that's than our 20 cap. years. Yeah. No. Yeah. But, a, but a, lo- a good long while. And, you know, kind of his perspective on all of this is so powerful as well. Can I tell you what I would pick that every sure. student should know in, in coming out of supply chain? And that is that manufacturing is not the model for supply chain. There are three supply chains, three tiers of supply chain, and it's critical to understand the uniquenesses of each one of them. There is a manufacturing supply chain. There is a distribution. And by distribution, I don't mean just the distribution of goods. I mean distributors, right? Right, Like the people who distribute food Adult and beverages and hardware right. and that sort of thing to chains and, and small businesses and that sort of thing. And there is a retail supply chain. And the dynamics of each of those are distinctly different and yet different and yet the universities almost solely teach from a manufacturing perspective the principles of supply chain. And the the reason for that is, of course, because that's where they get their money from, mm. right? And they build their research and they build their practices to help out those, those companies. Like at Wichita State, Cargill, huge manufacturers. I can't even imagine who, who you know, 
uh, MIT and Stanford, but of course at Michigan State, it's the big automakers. So there are specialty areas, not just industries, but mm. tiers of supply chain, and you need to understand the unique dynamics of each tier of the supply chain. Well said. I love that. So, you know, we were having a conversation yesterday. We hadn't published this yet, as I mentioned with TCU, right? Great program. And Dr. Travis Tokar had to fill in for Dr. Morgan Swink, right? I think who leads the supply chain program at TCU. And there was a moment, Greg, much like, you know, with your brilliant moments of brilliance around here, there was a moment that Travis was kind of speaking to our listeners and he, he was really, uh, and, and you could tell it's coming from a very genuine space. You know, he's really telling supply chain practitioners around the world, hey, when you have those days where you're you're fighting with spreadsheets all day or, or you're uh, having debates with your colleagues or, you know, it's full of, of firefighting, whatever it is, man, keep your eyes on the prize. And more importantly, keep your eyes on this greater big picture impact that you are absolutely having. And it was such a, I, I can't wait to publish the episode because it was such more powerfully stated than I just did there. And it was just a moment that stopped you in your tracks because so many, everyone needs to hear that. Right. So, but in every role, truly, but particularly right. in supply chain, because it is to Mike's previous points on this show, it is a lot of firefighting and sometimes it's rewarding the arsonist. I'm so glad he <laughs> you know, coined that phrase. But yes, I mean, you still are making progress, even mm. if you're firefighting. That's right. Because right? otherwise, right. the house burns to the ground. That's right. And and also, like your point earlier, it's on the consumers. You know, our dear friend Scott Case with NRF told me out in Vegas uh, back in January, hey, supply chains do what they're programmed to do, basically. I'm paraphrasing. You know, leaders set priorities, and that's what supply chains do. They're built to execute. You know, so as consumers... We can, based on our preferences and what we demand and what we're willing to do, we can have major impacts. I think Sheldon was speaking to that earlier. And that's going to be a big key, to your point, of unlocking a lot more progress with ESG initiatives and so much more. So a lot of good stuff there. Speaking of which, and good afternoon. Great to have you back from Texas, I believe, Evans Dispatching Logistics Supply Distribution. Kind of sounds like uh, an index we track, right? Yeah. James says, you're totally right, Greg. I have extensive hospitality, hotel, restaurant background, and almost nothing in our curriculum was taught from a service-based perspective. Great point, James. Uh, great point. I think James, I believe, is up for his next opportunity. So folks, reach out to James, grab a cup of coffee. We've all been there. And uh, James, let us know what you're looking for there. T-squared, Morgan State is a great, a great program. The leader, Greg, of Demska, the Diverse Manufacturing Supply Chain Alliance, I cannot David. remember his name. He's going to kill me. Dave. David, gosh. Kevin Jackson, if you're yeah. out there, remind uh, us. Well, <laughs> so uh, let's do it one better. Looks like our team. David Burton. Yes, David Burton. I Burton. was thinking Burns. I don't know why. Yeah. Close. Uh, David Burton is a graduate and give, does so much give back to Morgan State University. He's one of our great friends of the show. Y'all check out Demska. I think it's demska.org, D-M-S-C-A.org. But T-squared, great point and great to have you here today. And finally, before we wrap, Natalie Christian says, uh, I fell into supply chain answering the question, how do how do we raise fill rates above 90% today? Well, before COVID, so yesterday, anything less than 97% is unreliable. That's right. How about that? Yeah. I mean, it is, it is amazing how many people, uh, you know, for this to have become a f profession, it is amazing how many people kind of fell into it. Yes. Right? Agreed. Agreed. Okay. So, Greg, before we wrap here, we're just going to be a couple minutes over, but we're about to wrap up. Great show with Mike Griswold. Loved yeah, all the always. comments. Mike's, you know, we really need to book four hours with him each month. Uh, there's so much there to dive into. But, but, Greg, what's one, you know, beyond the fact that we got to strike all things being equal, and I even snuck it in, you didn't say anything, but beyond that, what's one key thing that folks got to take away from the last hour? That the S in social is, you know, in ESG is every bit as important as the E that, you know, there are so many, so many lessons here today, but the one that jumped out at me so much and the authentic application of ESG initiatives. I love that that is such a huge part of the top 25 evaluation. And it's really encouraging to hear how many of the candidates for the top 25 and how many of the top 25 
score 100% on that. Right. That's truly, truly impressive. Excellent point there. And, you know, speaking of which, uh, all at ESG, be sure, folks, to check out Hope for Justice. They are, you know, we talked about them on the front end. There are nonprofit partners that we're working together on our 2022 Supply Chain and Procurement Awards. And they're they're leading that noble mission to eradicate human slavery and global trafficking. And, and unfortunately, every part of the world, there's a lot of that exists. We've got so much work to do. So y'all check it out. Doing great work. Be sure to join us May 18th for as we reveal our winners. And Greg, that's, uh, gosh, we got about a uh, uh, eight-day head start on the top 25. I wonder if we, there's going to be some similarities between our winners. Well, we already know two. That's true. I don't know if you noticed that. Those <laughs> were obviously stuck. ones that will that are already there and that will stay, but we learned to. So we kind of scooped that a little bit. We did. We? Man, huh? it's a great call out. Great call out. Hopefully Gartner, Gartner's army of lawyers will not be coming after us. Uh, who knows? They'll be coming um, after Mike. <laughs> right. That's right. Hey, really quick, Brenda Allen. Hey, thanks again for your generous gift. But she says, uh, for small businesses, especially just getting started, you're at the mercy of who you are ordering from, but we're learning to navigate the supply chain. Thankful to one of your listeners who reached out to us a few weeks back. Hey, how about that? There you so go. thankful for the show, Brenda. Thank you. And we look forward to learning more about your journey in the weeks and months ahead. Okay, folks, on behalf of our entire team, big thanks to Amanda, Catherine and Clay and Chantel behind the scenes, helping make production happen. Big thanks to my colleague here, Greg White, who brought it today as always big thanks to everyone in the comments there are so many comments we couldn't get to a lot of great stuff there a lot of great stuff that we shared but but if you take one thing away right if you take one thing away it's take action you know scott luton challenging you to do good to give forward and to be the change that's needed here today and with that said we'll see you next time right back here on supply chain now thanks everybody thanks for being a part of our supply chain now community Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.